On today's Question of Faith, who's the Catholic Identity Guy? Hey everybody, this is Question of Faith. I am Mike Hayes. I'm the Young Adult Ministry Director here in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damian Ferentz, the Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm Drew Corder, the Director for Catholic Identity in the Diocese of Cleveland. Very nice. You got a nice voice, Drew. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Did you change it just to talk, be on this podcast? That's absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah you got to put your phone your radio voice on. Voice. Yeah, exactly. it's real. Nice. It I've got a face for radio. Mm-hmm. It, it, <laughs> it does Me sort too. of sound like one of those little late night, you know, listen to the sweet soldier sounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, so. yeah, very white sort of ass, you know. <laughs> cool. <laughs> exactly. So you're the Catholic identity guy. I am. We First we, one for the diocese, too, right? That's yeah. right. Brand new position, yeah. We should Tell put, us about it. We should put that on, like, your door, like, Catholic Identity Guy, maybe make a little mm-hmm. cartoon of you or First. something. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So so what's your job? Like, what what is what do you actually do? Yeah, so uh, I have sort of two main directives. Uh, the first one is to promote Catholic Identity in our schools. So really that comes down to faith formation for mm-hmm. principals, being a resource and a support for principals and teachers um, with questions regarding Catholic identity. So whether that's resources for curriculum or on certain topics or um, a retreat or professional development to help improve Catholic culture, that's sort of what I'm here to do is help sort of ease some of the load for pastors who are stretched thin and principals who give so much of themselves and could use some help. And so that's the first thing I do. And the second thing is I'm trying to better connect and create stronger connections between parishes and schools. Cool. So, nice. Were you with the principals this morning downstairs? They had new principals in there. I saw they were yeah, praying. Not, I wanted to say hello, but I didn't want to interrupt their prayer. Yeah, not this morning I wasn't, but I, I usually like to be at those meetings and hang out with the new principals and, you know, uh, the veteran principals and just to soak in what they do and cool. what they're concerned about. Yeah. yeah. And where did you come from? Like, what's your background? Yeah, so I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. So I was... Uh, Raised in Columbus, and then um, down the road, as we say. That's right. That's right. And then I. Uh, hey, congratulations, to Ohio State. Although I'm a Notre Dame fan, with um, you, <laughs> Ohio State would be number two. But yeah, it was a great game. Great game. Great yes, game. Indeed. Everybody Classic. enjoyed the game. Yeah. Uh, I uh, went to school in South Florida, and then uh, I came back uh, to Columbus afterwards, and then I eventually sort of migrated over to the University of Dayton and lived ah. in Dayton. I went to grad school there and taught. And um, I taught at a high school for about seven years, just south of Dayton, before coming here. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Archdiocese of Cincinnati. That's right. Yeah, Mark cool. Bishop Schneer. Yep, awesome. exactly. Yeah. So I am the first vicar for evangelization in the Diocese of Cleveland, and you are the first Catholic identity guy. Why is this position important now, and why wasn't it important in the past? Because it's similar to what what I'm doing, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of overlap. Actually, are you the and Mike I, is I the first the first young adult minister, young adult minister yeah. because we had youth and young adults, youth and young adult, but, and CYO. That was one job, right? Yeah. So a lot of new positions serving the diocese because we live in a, we're living in we could go off Monsignor Shea's distinction and the age of Christendom and the apostolic age, and we're now in the apostolic age. So does that have anything to do with what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, as you know, um, 60 years ago, the Catholic schools uh, were largely run by priests and religious. Mm -hmm. Um, Very well-formed priests and religious, you know, dedicated their life to the Lord uh, in a unique way and were well-formed theologically. And then as, you know, we saw the sort of massive demographic shift uh, to now it's mostly lay people. 
Uh, and lay people who are trained in wonderful ways and pedagogy and methodology, but uh, don't always have that spiritual and theological formation that their predecessors did. And so, and it's, uh, you know, really the heart of Catholic schools to have that component to, to really teach and uh, address the whole child, as they like to say, you know, it's sort of a buzzword, but I really think Catholic schools are best situated to really actually do that. Um, and, but we have to, you know, make sure that people are well-formed and uh, informed about the faith and what Catholic schools are and can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. When I was growing up, I went to Incarnate Word Academy, and it was a very rare experience for a Gen Xer, but I had a nun teach me, a sister, a religious, um, every, every grade. In fourth grade, I had Mrs. Abraham, but we switched classes, so I had Sister Lawrence. And in seventh grade, I had Mrs. Kutz, but we switched classes, so I had Sister Margaret Taylor, Sister Margaret Mary. Um, but I had a sister in every grade, mm. and every morning, those nuns would get up, they'd have mass and pray morning prayer, eat breakfast, and then their mission was the school. And then they came back, recreated, evening prayer, dinner, all that. But that was the whole mission, and so... The shift that has taken place in Catholic schools over the last 60 years is a tremendous one. And sometimes we forget that those who were entrusted with the pastoral care of our young people, that, that was their mission. And the, the, their whole prayer life surround, uh, uh, revolved around that. And mm-hmm. so it's, my mom was a lay teacher, obviously a lay woman, who was also a Catholic school teacher. Um, but it was different because she was also at home with the family and um, raising children for a while and then back to school. And so the things that you could expect from someone who is a celibate religious are different than what you can expect from um, uh, lay teachers. And they all bring gifts, but they're, they're, they're different sorts of expectations and different sorts of limits on, on different individuals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. There's a number of factors, right? There's the theological and spiritual one, which we mentioned, there's sort of uh, how, um, these different vocations are able to steward their time to, you know, to what they're doing as teachers and principals and leaders of schools. Um, but then, you know, as um, lady increased in schools, they needed a living wage. And so we also saw tuition rise to right. try and, you know, match that. So the last 60 years has really been an interesting time in the United States and probably broader uh, for Catholic education. And, and it's really merited a lot of these new initiatives to try and, um, you know, help out. Yeah. And many w- women's religious orders have sort of changed focus, right? Like like some of them have, who used to run schools and hospitals, let's say, now have turned a little bit more toward working with the, you know, with the people who are experiencing poverty for yep, the most part. Absolutely. There's a strong social justice yeah. emphasis in a lot of those schools, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. human trafficking, a lot of yes, religious, exactly, uh, yeah. women religious are working with those yeah. human trafficking. Uh, but I even mean like a, a lot of women's communities have moved themselves away from working in mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. and in right. hospitals and mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. are solely mm-hmm. focused on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and while our schools, as you said, Drew, you know, certainly have that focus, uh, the, 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 the women's religious aren't the people who are mm-hmm. pushing that now. They're, mm-hmm. that, that's fallen to other folks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, the, you know, the my position came out of the Keeping the Faith strategic plan and there was they recognized a need for someone to try and you know support um the fundamental mission of catholic schools which is you know to create disciples of jesus Mm -hmm. christ um and so yeah i mean it's really this position is unique to this time Mm -hmm. yeah 
Now, if your position is like mine, I'm guessing that you have a lot of people trying to tell you how to do your job. <laughs> and if I call this silver bullet evangelization. So if you would only do this, then everything will be fine. So I'm sure you've heard a lot of that. But this is a multifaceted approach. Mm-hmm. So the the art that you have in classrooms is important, mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah. Um, the environment around the school, um, but also the resources that you're using, the retreat days, the kind of formation, um, offering um, s- spiritual guidance, and all, there's there's got to be an awful lot that you oversee and many pieces to this puzzle or many pieces of glass to this stained glass window. So can you talk about a, a variety of things that you're involved in? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's always... You know, there's a fundamental, I think, uh, difficulty in a position like yours and mine Mm -hmm. because we're trying to measure hearts and we're trying to change and affect hearts. And how do you do that? Because it seems the moment that you make a box where, like, if you're trying to assess Catholic identity Mm -hmm. and knowledge of the faith, whatever it may be, it it can easily become a box that you just check as a protocol and, you know, another sort Mm -hmm. of hoop to jump through Mm -hmm. rather than it being really a substantial thing that can move a person. Um... But, yeah, I like to talk about it as a culture, right? So um, uh, I think of agriculture, and mm-hmm. I think about this because I, it really made a huge influence on me several years ago. Um, I was reading St. Augustine and St. Thomas on The Educator, and they both refer to uh, Aristotle. And Aristotle says that education is an assisting art mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, an art, strictly speaking, where you have a block of marble. And that mar- marble would not become David if it weren't for the sculptor. Mm-hmm. Um Education is an assisting art where the, it, like farming or medicine, where the thing that you're working on wants to do something. It, it has a desire or a nature. A telos, an end. Yeah, mm. exactly, exactly. And so... A final cause. That's right, that's right. And it wants to be that thing. And so the job of a farmer and a doctor and a teacher is just to aid and assist. Mm. So it's an assisting art. Um, and so I like to think of education in my position as trying to create culture, right? What is the culture of a school? Because just like farming, soil isn't just one thing. It's a bunch of different things. It's a chemical makeup. It's, you know, the bacterial life in it. It's all these different things that cause a thing to grow well. Uh, likewise, a Catholic school and what makes, you know, a school Catholic is a bunch of different things. It's the decor and the art and the frequency to the sacraments and the exposure to things like adoration and prayer in the classroom at the end of the day, the Angelus, whatever it may be mm-hmm. in the curriculum. You know, it's all those things put together and all those things are, I think, good metrics. But yeah, there's no silver bullet. There's no right. one metric that does it or one best practice that really does the thing. It's a whole combination of things. Um, and which is partly why, you know, my position is really aimed at forming principals or leaders of the school because, you know, they have such an influence. There's so much research that suggests that a good principal has an enormous influence on a school and a building, mm-hmm. you know, in all of those avenues that we talked about. And so, um, you know, working with principals is a, is a big step in trying to accomplish this Catholic culture. Yeah. Speaking of Aristotle, one of my favorite like, principles of Aristotle, it's an epistemological one. He, he says this, that which is received is received according to the mode of the receiver. Mm-hmm. And a layman's way of saying that is you got to know how people hear things. Mm-hmm. You know, so even I don't want to get all into the, the thick of it, but we have the, our new gender policy out in the Diocese of Cleveland. And depending upon how you've been formed, either 
in your Catholic culture, or maybe even if you are Catholic, in a very secular culture, there are certain things that can tip you off and think, geez, what is, what, what is that? Or I don't understand that. Or that, that doesn't sound right to me. So a big part of an educator, and, and um, Socrates thought this too, along with Aristotle, that um, the philosopher, the teacher, is also a midwife. So he's kind of walking with, helping you understand mm-hmm. what's going on there. And so a big part of what we do, whether it's director of uh, young adult ministry or Catholic identity guy or... Is that, that's your new title now, Catholic yes, Identity Guy. A vicar for evangelization is a being attentive to the way that people understand things. And maybe there are some blocks, stumbling blocks in there that need to be removed for one to better understand the faith that has been handed on to us, right? So Absolutely. it's not, it's, it, it is important always to tell the truth, but it's also important to realize how people understand things and, and how they've been formed in such a way where they may or may not be able to receive what is true, yeah. uh, depending upon how it's delivered, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I think trying to you know, meet people on common ground and work out of that and help them understand is huge, yeah. Which, you know, to put it in layman's terms like you did earlier, it's knowing your audience. You know, yeah. It's knowing how to meet someone at a common starting point and go from there. Mm-hmm. And it can be tricky sometimes in the world we live in. Yeah, I always tell people. I say, I say, you know, if we looked at this as a business, it's a, what are our key performance indicators? You know, what's, what's the KPI <laughs> yeah, ministry? You know, yeah. like, it's like you can't really measure this. But I always say, like, if it took me like ten phone calls to get thirty people to come to an event, mm-hmm. okay, how many more phone calls do I have to make to make that sixty? Yeah. Right? Does yeah. it work that way? Right. Probably not exactly right, but it is something to strive for. You know, to mm-hmm. say, okay, how can we? kind of scatter the seeds a little further than we than we thought we could. And how true is it that the way that Jesus called people into the life of grace, meaning relationship with him, was, come follow me, yeah. Matthew. Um, they, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, you follow me. And they did. And so that, that personal encounter, this mm-hmm. big Pope Francis business here, <laughs> but it's not just Pope, I mean, it's... Our whole history of 2,000 years of Catholicism, of being with people, listening to them, talking to them, and then inviting, it's very hard. And I found this even with my brother priest sometimes. It's very hard to say no to someone who's sitting right before you, (laughs) right? It's easy to get mad in an email. um, But if someone comes to your rectory and says, hey, man, I kind of need your help with this. All right, I'll do it, you know. And um, it it, face-to-face... being with others is a is a wonderful way of of softening the human heart to receive the mm-hmm. love that God wants to give. And yeah. so even like you yeah, it's once in a while we have to do Zoom calls and team meetings, but being even in person with people, sitting with them, listening, letting them get to know us, that's so key to evangelization and Catholic formation. It's a Catholic way. It's an incarnate way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you talk about efficiency because I think one of the fundamental things for all the things that we do, I, I, it sticks. It's always in my mind. There's a, a professor emeritus out of I think Stanford, Erwin Yalin, and he writes this in one of his books. He has this phrase where he says, uh, "It's the relationship that heals." Right? A therapist can know all the best uh, tactics and techniques and all the different you know theories, but if they can't build that relationship with the yeah. with their client, it's not going to heal. So you can know all the stuff, and I, I think it's the same for teaching, and I certainly mm-hmm. in evangelization, mm-hmm. right? When I work with principals and when I was teaching with students, it was the relationship that taught. Uh, I, I could just tell them what the church thought about X, Y, or Z, but without that relationship, 
you know, they really weren't, would, the, the heart wouldn't be softened. Yeah, it's, the, it's a perfect example of the both and. That's right. Mm-hmm. So the doctrine and the relationship are not mutually exclusive. They go together That's and right. work together. And this is why when God came to save us, he didn't come down as a ghost or Seven as just like a, yeah, a, a big tablet with some words. Yeah. Um, an idea. The, the new covenant, yeah, not an idea, <laughs> an abstraction. This is Pope Benedict now, but a person, a living person yeah. who showed us what love looked like in his very flesh. And no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's, that's what that love looks like. It's self-emptying love. Yes. And who doesn't want to be loved that way? In know? relationship with us. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, in Mass, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew. And one of the things I love about the Gospel of Matthew is how it tries to parallel and sort of give the image of Christ as the new Moses, right? Mm-hmm. So Matthew has the Sermon on the Mount where he goes up, uh, whereas like Luke is the Sermon on the Plain where he right. goes down, right? right? So the, And, you know, you've got uh, the imagery of Herod mirroring that of Pharaoh, and there's so much beautiful imagery that sort of shows. But instead, what comes down from the Mount is not a set of rules and a commandment, but a person. Mm-hmm. Right, a person who then invites people into relationship and calls them mm-hmm. uh, to follow him. And the yeah. Beatitudes, blessed are you. And who says, right. blessed are you. Yeah. I was just yeah. going to yeah. say that, yeah. yeah. Drew, where do you go to church? Yeah, I go to St. Basil. Oh, okay. Yeah, down in Brexville, so just down the road from us. And I saw you there with your beautiful family a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Thank you, oh, yeah, yeah. Ornery, yeah. but beautiful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rambunctious crew. That's yeah. right, that's right. And uh, what do you, why did you choose that as a place uh, for you to go to church? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's really important for uh, my wife and I, there are two things, is the families, to have other families and other kids around. Um, you know, for our kids and for our own community, is that's huge. And, and St. Basil's has a lot of families, and so... Well, you know, we want to connect with them. And, you know, the other one is that it, it's, it's a liturgy that um, my kids enjoy. Uh, and, as you know, that can be a tricky thing as parents, right? I, yeah, right. You know, my wife and I, we're sort of, we would prefer maybe a, a different kind of liturgy. But, um, you know, our kids wouldn't uh, like that as much. And so, you know, we know how to feed ourselves spiritually. And so we want, and we want our kids, obviously, to love the faith. And so, yeah, they, they love the Mass uh, at St. Basil's. And so... We go there. Do yeah. they love the music? They do. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. it's Great very singable there. there. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. 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 Father Ryan Mann, the pastor, Father mm-hmm. Jeff Liptak yep. out there. Yep. Stephanie's the main musician, and I forget there's a young man who also is on the, the mm-hmm. music staff. He's a great voice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm new. I don't remember their names. And but. newly ordained Father, I'm sorry, Deacon Rob Blackburn is out there as well. Blackthorn. Right. He told me I could call him Blackthorn. He thought that <laughs> sounded intimidating. But yeah, his real name is Blackburn. <laughs> Yeah. And they were a big fan. They have a, he, I think he has five kids. Five oh, kids. Yeah, they yeah. were all climbing all over the front pew at his ordination. It was a beautiful, <laughs> was beautiful great. sight. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. sight. Yeah. Last night, speaking of beautiful sights, last night, I mean, oh, we have two things I have oh, to yeah, say. Yeah. So one is, last night I went down to visit um, my Byzantine friends in, uh, in Burton at the monastery, mm. and there was a family down there from Penn State, um, and mm-hmm. what college station is mm-hmm. that the city? Mm-hmm. And when the mom came in, if you go to a Byzantine um, church, they bow and then they sign themselves like three times. And then all their kids came in, even like the two-year-old. It was so dear and tender. It was like, misty-eyed. And then the other thing I didn't want to forget was um, thank you for listening to the podcast about Taylor Swift. If you didn't notice this weekend, it seems like she and Travis Kelsey are a thing, Mm -hmm. uh, the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And that's important, not just for Swifties, but for Clevelanders, because (laughs) Travis Kelsey is from Cleveland. He went to Cleveland Heights, and his parents live here. So I have my young Swiftie friends from around the country texting, do you think if they're a thing that they'll get a house on Lake Erie and you'll see more of Taylor Swift and Travis? (laughs) Then we'll bring them into RCIA, maybe at St. Basil. (laughs) Get married at the church. Yeah, and and Taylor will be a a cantor at Mass, so who knows? I can (laughs) read the gospel, and you can do the wedding. It'll be great. Yeah, Why not, right? That's why it'll work. Why not? Why not? Whatever the Lord has in mind. <laughs> she was in the family box in Kansas City. Marion's cousins were actually at the game. Her cousin, um, uh, Kurt, is from Kansas City. He was a military mm-hmm. brat, and so he grew up mostly in Kansas City. So he's a Royals fan and a Chiefs fan. And so he decided to take his family to a Chiefs game. It just happened to be the game that Taylor Swift was mm. at. <laughs> so. Well, her brother did go to uh, Notre Dame. Yes, that was a trivia question at the Algae on Tap the other oh, night, okay. which uh, a bunch of Notre Dame folks knew. Yeah, which everyone I thought was knows who went to Notre Dame. And then yeah. a bun- I remember a bunch of people were like, what? How are we supposed to know that? And I said, if you listened to the podcast, mm-hmm. you'd know the answer. Yeah. And they went, wait, I did listen to the podcast. And they thought back, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you did say that. And then they wrote the answer down and got it right. But that went really well. I was surprised that the trivia went as well as the algae on tap as oh, it did. Yeah. But like I remember when I said the correct answer is Notre Dame, and a whole bunch of people were just like, yeah. And I was like, okay, they're into this. This is good. You know what else went really well at that event was there's a new beer that uh, Forest City had. It was called Flannel Shirt. Flannel Shirt is right. Ooh, yeah. like a nice, yeah. It was an amber Amber ale, or, oh, it was real nice. Yeah, it was good. I had, I had it also as well. Captures the season. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're Welcome rolling to fall. Out. Happy fall, everyone. Exactly. Happy fall. And our readings for this coming week, uh, our second reading from St. Paul's letter to the, Phil- to the Philippians is, uh, this is the part that stood out to me, do nothing out of selfishness or out of vain glory, rather re- humbly regard others as more important than yourselves, each looking out not for his own interest, but also for those of others tough message but yet one that you know i think if we live it we start to realize that you know yeah when i when i am living for others and not for myself i actually you know find more of god's presence is really active for me there enjoy yeah enjoy right yeah i i went to the gospel the parable of man who had two sons tells him to go out to work one says i won't the other one says i will and then they do the opposite of what they said Mm. and so um Jesus says, amen, amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. So a lot of times, the people whose hearts may be most ready uh, to receive the word of God are those who are most hungry for it, maybe if they don't even know it. So I, I I always love the surprises of the parables, that Jesus answers a question or presents a teaching with a parable because it works on the whole human person. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean the the second reading is one of my favorite, and it's, I mean the the kenosis him right, the emptying of Christ mm. uh, is such a beautiful reminder to you know of sacrificial love and of humility, um, and that crazy paradox that in emptying ourselves we find ourselves, yeah. right? and it's in giving that we really find who we are yeah mm-hmm. yeah when we're when when sometimes we're at our lowest mm-hmm. is when we have the greatest experience of god that's, that's right. what i say all the time yeah, yeah. that's it all right well drew thanks for coming by yeah and, thanks uh, for having me good luck in your in your new position thank you and uh you're down on the second floor there that's right yeah office of catechism or yeah catechetical formation yeah great come mm-hmm. by again we'll have you on again and talk about something else sounds great yeah it was great 
All right, so this has been Question of Faith, and we hope that you'll join us all again next time. Thank you.